What's up, my boy? So we back with another bit by bit podcast. Uh, this is another episode. We're adding another film into our Biterian collection um, for the month of November and our family films. This one, a classic, ATL, directed by Chris Robinson. His feature film debut um, it was from 2006, featuring the one and only T.I., T.I.P. Yeah, it was pretty good cast. T.I., Lauren London. Evan Ross. Um, yeah, Tasha Harris. Um, the sister with this, like, two twins. Uh, uh, what um, Malika and Khadija? No, uh, uh, her, ma- her name might be Tasha Robinson, but the mom, she plays their mom. Mm, mm, she has okay. a sister. Because I think her sister is in Why Did I Get Married. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, Tasha Smith. Tasha Smith, okay. I was messing up the uh, last name. Jason Weaver, Big Boy, uh, what's his name? My, Mike Cattell. I think Mike Cattell or Mike Kelty or something like that. Mike Kelty, Mike Kelty Williamson. Um, Jazzy Faye. Monica, Monica, um, Monica. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a lot of people in this movie. Jackie Long, Keith David, Bone Crusher. It's a lot. Of, yeah, it's a lot of folks in here. I don't know, man. It's it's like a true Southern classic when you really look at it. For especially like of the time of two thousand six, and then you know we were discussing before uh, we got on. Uh, we both watched the documentary because um, you seen. The how did you watch the documentary? Did you just look it up, or I looked up the oral history and the documentary popped up on YouTube. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I just know it came on as the like DVD bonus feature, um, or special feature or whatever. Um, because I'm like old school like that, just <laughs> popping in the DVD. Uh, but it always was on there and Chris Robinson, you know, just gives you the whole DVD. I mean the documentary and he explains it. And it was always interesting how like T-Boz is one of the like creators of this film and her and Dallas Austin. And they're like, we need a film about Atlanta and what we went through as kids and like Jermaine Dupri kind of being one of the backbones of this. And then Chris Robinson being a music video director and this is something this feature film and it doesn't even feel like it's someone's first feature film it feels like it's somebody who already had been established as a filmmaker for years and i mean i guess technically he was but not as like a feature film director it felt like you know he had been doing films for many years so i really liked it yeah i was surprised uh by the t-boz and dallas austin thing the fact that they were the ones that was pitching this story to mm-hmm. um, companies and everything. Um, because I was wondering, I'm like, how did this film get made? Because <laughs> it, 
it, it's hard to think about now because I'm like, I don't think this film could be made now just in terms of like the budget and um, companies no, yeah. really trying to make this sort of film because you do have a director that's um, never done films and he's a video director and he gets this seemingly, well, it might be like mid-budget or uh, mm-hmm. kind of a smaller budget, but he gets a chance to make this film and with unknown actors really because T.I. at that point, I think T.I. was big, but he wasn't like a uh, huge rapper. Um, he only had like, I don't think. Yeah, he only had like, I think one album out at that point. Yeah. He had like a couple mixtapes out, but I think he only had one album out. And that's how he and Chris Robinson had known each other. Yeah, Chris Robinson said he did his first video. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, T.I. wasn't the T.I. we know now. Yeah. So it's like you weren't banking on his star power or say Lauren London. Because uh, I mean, at that point, she was just in the Pharrell front video before mm-hmm. this. And then Evan Ross, I think, had been maybe in a few things. Like, everyone, based off of how it is, especially on the younger side of cast, from, like, all the people that play teenagers, quote-unquote, only one that seemed like they were established, maybe Jackie Long and Jason Weaver. Because I'm like, Jason Weaver, from, like, the 90s things he had done in early 2000s, and I might have remembered Jackie Long being in something, but... Everyone else, they were all completely unknown. Fairly unknown. (laughs) And it's interesting, you know, obviously you have Keith David, he's a legendary actor, and then, you know, all the other older cast members are legendary actors. But yeah, this is like, you would not be able to make this in Hollywood now unless it is a completely independent film. No one is putting a big budget behind this with a completely all-black cast in Hollywood today and someone saying hey go make this film about Atlanta and especially the premise of this movie let's just stick on the premise of it that was what just blew my mind just watching it now it's like so many different like dilemmas of this they wrote they roller skate (laughs) that part was just like wait a minute hold on y'all roller skate they're trying to figure out they want to go to college like who's going to go to college here and there you got Evan Ross who ends up kind of drifting off and wanting to sell drugs. You got uh, Lauren London who having like this identity crisis and she's like, well, I'm rich, but I don't want them to know I'm rich. T.I. is like the man of the house in which I've come to realize is like a theme and this, <laughs> this thing we do. I'm like, all right, we're kind of finding these flaws in our characters of movies we pick. Young, young adults who are the men of their their households um and you know it's just this thing where it's like this would not be able to be made today uh or, or maybe it would be but i don't know it's just it's interesting i don't well it's interesting uh because i'm not sure how big craig robinson um was in terms of like his videos and like in the mainstream as a director but i think you'd have to have a big music video director mm-hmm. um, to even get this kind of thing considered and honestly it'd have to be like Dave Myers or uh, Cole Bennett or something I think those are some of the only few names that seem to have like uh, 
kind of like buzz in that space yeah. in terms of like mainstream uh, that could probably have a studio uh, listen to them and try to get a film made. Which is true. Um, I'm looking up right now a lot of the videos Chris Robinson had, had done in his time. And I mean, don't get me wrong. He did a lot of huge videos, you know, a lot of videos we grew up on. Uh, like just as an example, the Alicia Keys Fallen video, um, Alicia Keys, A Woman's Worth, one mic, Nas, uh, go back a little bit more. Jagged Edge, I Gotta Be Version 2. <laughs> uh, Fat Joe featuring Nas and Big Pun, Jada Kiss and Raekwon, John, and John Blaze. Uh, so, I mean, he, you know, has a distinctive thing of just like years, like a decade of music videos. And then it's just, you know doing music videos and then finally saying screw it i'm gonna do a feature film but it's just interesting to finally get to that point where i'm finally gonna do this film and i'll completely want to cast unknown actors and i'm gonna take this risk and cast a rapper as the main actor and i don't know if he can act at all like and then the studio has to sign off and be like yeah this rapper (laughs) is going to be the main actor. Like, what? Who says yeah. yes to this? That's my question. I mean, I, I think it might have been a thing back then, because you know we had Hype did it with Belly and mm-hmm. Nas and DMX. No, that's true. Uh, I, I ain't going to say. I, I guess it might just be a thing with music video directors and kind of uh, having rappers. I mean, we had seen it in, like, Fast and the Furious, the original one. We had Ja Rule in that. Um and I think like Hardball had like his name's Lil Zane. He played yeah. like a role in there. And I mean, there's been different rappers being uh that had acted in movies. I think Diddy had acted before in a couple movies. Jamie Foxx had acted. So I mean, this wasn't like Ti wasn't like groundbreaking. Like oh man, oh. he's a first rapper. Oh no, no, I I didn't mean that. I meant just in terms of like music video directors in their first transition to. Oh film they kind of have uh rappers um kind of littered in it because you know that's where they come from okay okay okay. Um, so kind of yeah similar to hype williams when he had um dmx and nas and like those pivotal roles Mm, that makes sense i wonder oh oh, go ahead go ahead ahead. oh no i wasn't gonna say anything Oh, I wanted to ask you about um the first scene, like the opening one where Rashad, T.I.'s character Rashad, he's like, the kids are playing, it's kind of like a dreaming scene, uh, or the kids are playing and he's talking about dreaming and he says, dreaming is a luxury of choice. And, you know, it's like a quote. And then they get to Rashad and Aunt working. Um, so, you know, it's just more so about you basically have to work and you can dream, but it, you know, his dad, I think I told him it's a, I think I might've just said it, but you know, dreaming is a luxury of choice. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you think about that? And also just the whole setup of it. Cause in the time when I was younger, when I seen this movie, I was like, Oh wow. Okay. This is interesting. But now looking at it, I'm like, this is something I had not really seen before out of, a music video director shooting a film 
and casting rappers in a movie. Uh, it's interesting because I that um, voiceover kind of sets up the you know the dilemma of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like they are kids and are like trying to figure things out, but they have these like grown up issues um, that they have to face. So I thought it was kind of um, similar. Maybe I haven't seen this movie in a while, but I think the style um, and like the way it's set up kind of reminds me like Days and Confused. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. Those those other like seventies coming of age films where it's like um, they're kind of hanging out and um, their issues aren't that big, but you know they're serious to them. Yeah, um, and kind of like formulaic in that way. I think. That's a good point. My other point that or other thing um, that I really enjoy was it shows that and then it goes into the montage of the Georgia and Mm -hmm. then it shows it from the point of view of the car and how it just goes through like the city. But Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it's just basically the point of view of the car like the car's point of view of everything of the city. And it's just like, that's interesting. This whole time you're basically seeing what this car is seeing. And then when I watched the whole movie, you kind of just focus on it. You, if you, I don't know, it's just, maybe I was like far reaching into this, but if you really watch it and then you notice he's in the car, a good majority of this movie, and you notice all the places he goes to in this car, I'm like, this is interesting. You see a good majority of Georgia throughout the perspective of this car. And it's like, hmm, Rashad and this car, you I don't know, it's just like a completely different perspective of this film based off him in this car. See, I I would I didn't pick that up. And that's not to overstep because just the sideline, that's almost like that thing people online are throwing out about Menace Society saying O-Dog isn't real and he's Kane's conscious. That, so it might be reaching. Oh, it might nah, be reaching. That, <laughs> like it might be reaching. That That's not that's not real at all. But like, I don't know. Um, I might be getting a little too deep to, there. I'd have to re-see it, but a lot of the the beginning of those uh shots of Georgia around Georgia, um it really set up it really did set up all the places that you see in the movie and um it kind of grounds you in Atlanta and like the feel of where they're mm-hmm. at, which I thought was really nice. Um they did it really well just in terms of like capturing the city. No, yeah, I loved it. I I love that, and it made sense going at, at like after the film and watching the documentary and seeing that he had written on the script like interior um, shake, uh, what was it like? No shotgun house, um, and exterior no exterior shotgun house. This and that, and then they have mm-hmm. like those homes, and it makes sense. Like yeah. you want realistic locations. <clears throat> and it makes sense like you don't want something 
that is on a studio lot. You want it as realistic as possible. So yeah. it, it, you want it to feel like what people can relate to. Yeah, it is really interesting because um, he showed his crew, his uh, department heads, and he was the only black person. Mm. Which is really interesting. It was just a bunch of uh, other white dudes. Yeah. So I'm like, they they did a really good job. Like, salute to them. Yeah, it was great. I'm like, dang, who knew? 2006. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 2005, I guess, technically. Yeah, 2005, 2006. I'm like, geez. Hey, guys, how's it going? It's Malik here. You're listening to the Bit by Big podcast. Thank you. What do you think about the um? Because this is our second film where we've touched on a parent guardian figure who is using pre social media to use dating. Um, because Uncle George and this is using the paper dating app. Yeah, <laughs> he's on the dating application. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if it was from the newspaper or not, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's so interesting because I never really thought about it. Because um, back then, would it be like Match.com or something? If that was big in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it It's interesting. Because um, I guess you got to have that character that's older. Um, you know, that's trying to find love and yeah, Uncle George. Uncle George is interesting. He's an interesting character. Well, because it's so weird. Like, let's just talk about him for a second. Because watching it when I was younger, I was like, "Oh, okay, this guy, he's important in the movie." Watching it now, I'm like, I didn't understand what was your purpose until later in the movie, <clears throat> and you didn't serve a purpose until later in the film. And because it almost seems like he didn't exist until later in the movie. And yeah, then, he, oh, go ahead. I, I feel like in the first half, he's kind of used as like comic relief. Yeah. Um, like the one bowl thing. Like, oh, yeah, you just, you get one bowl and I'm using this app. What's my build and what do I look like? What do I want? And it's like, okay, you know, he's somebody people can relate to and this and that. And it's like, okay, it's hilarious. Then later on, he gives like the certain thing, like I had it written down in my notes, the lemonade thing. The lemonade part is supposed to be the common, how do I put it? Like it brings everything kind of together. Um, and it kind of brings a certain level of, you, you'd probably be able to like word this completely better than I would. Uh, <clears throat> like it brings so much together over a like glass of lemonade. In terms of the story or like depth of for his character, I feel like both, but really depth of his character. Um, yeah. It gives I his think, character a lot more. Yeah, I think there's a scene with him before that when he um, gives that speech at the table when Ti gives the whole. This is my daddy house. <laughs> yeah. I've been running shit here since I was 15. You just been getting over. But that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's an iconic line read man hey i will yeah. admit in that scene not to cut you off but in that scene from where 
we got to come back to this point. But from where it leads from outside to where Uncle George throws T.I. off of him and they have that whole line and all of that, that might be the most believable acting I've ever seen from T.I., Clifford, whatever his name, Harris, ever. Ever. Like, I've never seen believable line reading from that man. See, the line reading was believable, but I don't know if, like, the emotion was... I don't know. It it was interesting, because I don't think he really did much in that scene other than the line reading. Good point. I believe that was a real Southern man that was upset that his his younger counterpart was slinging slinging that weed at school. (laughs) I I can see that, but it also just feels like T.I. Okay. So... I don't. I don't think Chris Robinson asked Ti to do much uh, outside of himself. Okay, which yeah. is a which is a thing I had uh, a point I had. I'll bring it up later. But back your point to, about uh, Uncle George. Your point about Uncle George. Yeah, back to Uncle George. But in that scene, he really showed me something that gave like a ton more depth to his character, um, because it kind of just goes into his backstory of like, I didn't ask to have y'all come here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing my best and uh, trying to look out for y'all, but this was thrown upon me. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't necessarily picture this. So uh, I think it was uh, pretty interesting. And that was the first time I was like, okay, you know, he can act like <laughs> this is, which hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's not let this slide, dog. Because let, let let's back that up though. Because before that, that scene is emotional. But at the same time, what does he say before that? Uh, well, it wouldn't oh, be well, the, yeah, it uh, wouldn't be bad. be bad to bring some money in. Yeah, like wait a minute, you gonna let this little kid just slang drugs? <laughs> like, hey, I mean, he Uncle George, he he ain't likable, but hey. Yeah, you know, you ain't got to be likable to to get a few lines off the or the. <laughs> like I get it that he's the only one kind of paying the bills, or maybe Rashad's paying some bills too. Like I don't really know who the man of the house is in that house because it seemed like there's kind of like two two men of the house in that house, but it's just like you really gonna let him slang drugs? <laughs> like really? Is this what we're promoting in this household? I mean, he ain't their daddy. <laughs> he basically just said, you know, he gonna do he gonna do what he gotta do regardless. Like he gotta learn that lesson for himself. I guess when you which, put which it is that way, which is true. Which is true. Yeah, that's when you put it in the context like that. That makes a lot more sense. I'm not biologically your father, so yeah. if you gotta learn this lesson, then you gotta learn it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Uncle George is an interesting character. Um, So to go back to my point of the lemonade thing, since my throat was, uh, I was having like whatever happening right now, like coughing. Uh, I feel like the lemonade scene kind of tied together like his character. Um, I might end up having to cut completely (laughs) that part because I was like coughing. But I feel like the lemonade scene tied together like who he was and you know, he just kind of like, man, I had a good 
part or good batch of lemonade upstairs. Now, as a kid, it just always made me thirsty. But yeah. watching it now, I'm like, oh, okay, I understand what he's doing. He's now kind of realizing, hey, this is like this pivotal moment as him as a character. And I need to relate to this kid. I can't really tell you what to do, but I can try mm. to give you some type of advice. Yeah. This is the best advice I can try to at least give you. And the only way I can try to give it to you without beating it over the head, beating you over the head with advice in the most realistic way. So it was like, I don't know. It was like the most realistic type of advice a person probably could give you. You know what I mean? Without like force feeding you lines or something. You know, it wasn't yeah. like CW type um, lines, yeah. you know, that, and that's not like a knock at anybody from the CW. If they do somehow listen to this. I'll take the job offer. <laughs> but <laughs> he could have came down there, man. Hey boy. Yeah. I got that lemonade upstairs. Don't sell those I, drugs. I think that was one of the big things for me that kind of lifted it from just being, you know, a generic coming of age movie. Yeah. It's just that it felt really authentic. Mm-hmm. Um like the dialogue between um T.I. and all his friends at Waffle House. Oh, um, for sure. And just scenes like that uh, at the pool and everything, it just felt very authentic to where which is where my problem with it becomes it was so authentic and so laid back that when it did have to bring in these conflicts, it was just like off the rails. It didn't, it didn't have any stakes. So that part I was thinking about it when I watched it yesterday I was like why is it why is this movie and I, I think it ties into what you're saying that I feel like that is I've always wondered that with this movie because anybody I ask that's not black um, I try to figure out movies for us to come up with to talk about and review and you know most of the time, only people that know our, the movies we talk about are Black, um, and the, unless they're the Disney films. But with this movie, only people that knew about it were Black people, except for this one. Like, I think only like a few white people knew this one. But I couldn't understand, like, why is this film, no one Black or non-Black knew about it? And I might have just said that wrong. But I'm like, why? The conflict of this movie, it was only a few, like, confused or a couple like conflicting things esquire wanted to go to college but he was from the hood um what was it lauren london was from a nice neighborhood but she wanted to go to the hood uh she wanted to go to the hood who else ti wanted to get out the hood or he was like kind of confused and jason weaver was 22 brooklyn didn't really know what he wanted to do. So it didn't really, you didn't really understand exactly what was happening. So it was just confusing. And then when I thought about like, what exactly is the reasoning for this film not being like, it's a huge film, but why is it only for us in an extent? Why are we the only people that maybe I'm rambling, but why is it only us that kind of understand this film? then I blame BT. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. I blame BT and I blame VH1 
overplaying these films. And maybe I'm missing your point completely, but I don't know. I just feel like I blame these two companies overplaying it as to the point of you missed the mark of this film. I go I ahead. Think what it, I think what it is is that did I answer the, your question at all? Because I feel like I just missed your point completely. Um, I, I can't even remember what I asked. <laughs> you said the conflict. You said uh, oh, the conflict. Well, I think I was just making a statement more than a question. But um, I think to your point is that they do try to make these arcs universal. <laughs> In a way, yeah. um, you know, Esquire going to college, uh, Brooklyn trying to find a job, um, but they're not strong enough as arcs um, mm-hmm. for people to really fully get invested to. Yeah, uh, it's kind of all over the place. I think the strongest arc that probably has a third of the screen time is like um Evan Ross and Big Boy like the brothers selling drugs that's the strongest arc of the movie and it doesn't come up much um because you have T.I. um and Lauren London that arc which is the ending of that arc is awful and the main conflict of that arc is awful because (laughs) you're really just you're mad because she lied to you about where she came from in which wait, wait I, she didn't even really lie like, i was just about to say that not to cut you off did she ever lie to him no i wrote just, that down uh, i was like did she ever even tell him about that no she just when he uh, was gonna drop her off at home she just told him to drop her at the uh bus stop mm-hmm. which you know that ain't really a lie but yeah it it didn't make it didn't boil down to anything really. And Esquire's uh arc with her dad, the conflict didn't make sense. I'm like, why did you get why'd you go get the letter back and feel the need to say all this just to be a upstanding man and then get the letter back at the ending to get in the uh whatever school yeah it it just felt like they heaped on some problems that weren't necessarily problems um in those character arcs like what is the point of this character yeah it's interesting because at the end he it basically rolls around to you know i'm gonna be proud of where i'm from uh, because Mechanicsville, Georgia, raised me, yeah, uh, and it raised uh, Mr. Garnett. But I never really got the feeling that he um, didn't feel like he wanted to be from there. I never got the feeling that he felt ashamed to uh, be from Mechanicsville. He just wanted to go further. Yeah. Um, so that line at the end with Mr. Garnett, I'm like. I, it works for it works as a plot device to get Mr. Garnett to let Lauren London go to Spelman and you know forgive her but other than that it didn't it didn't do anything for Esquire's character at all like what was the point of 
this whole speech. Yeah, I, it was just a plot device for the whole Mr. Garnett got to change his mind on Lauren London, basically. Something and like be And be a nice guy. Something like that. It was like, maybe it's because I'm not from Atlanta. Maybe this is a little too deep in the Atlanta culture. <laughs> I don't understand it. I'm like, maybe I'm missing something because I'm not really from here. I'm not entrenched in the Atlanta culture. Nah, it there there wasn't nothing missing. It was just um, <laughs> the writing was just a little, it's a little rough. And I think that was my main thing with Ti, is that they don't give him anything to do in this movie. They really don't. They truly and, don't. He just drifts throughout the whole movie. Yeah, like it's really interesting because the style of the movie, um, you know, is really nice. Um, and the world building is really nice. Like you have that scene um, at the skating rink with all the different uh, groups mm-hmm. and they're all different. So I'm like, okay, watching this, I'm like, man, this is, they're really going to tap into uh, like the skating culture and like focus on that. They never come back to any of those. Not groups. at all. They don't do anything with the skating. Mm-mm. I'm like, okay, they build up skate wars and TI's crew, but they don't practice. T- they don't Yeah, do you can tell the crew sucks. Like <laughs> <laughs> they're not really invested in winning skate wars like that. So I'm like that's one plot line gone. And then he's trying to protect his brother, but they don't even show the brother not. for half of the movie. Yeah. So it, a lot of it is just T.I. reacting to stuff mm-hmm. rather than having him be proactive and actually trying to achieve a goal. Then they say so, he can do, he's like, he can do art and draw, but you don't see that he can draw anything. I'm like, what it's are you like talking a, it's about? A, it's a really small character note um, and him drawing. You see it like two or three times when he's drawing in the class. Yeah. Um, and then when he's drawing, well, he's showing Lauren London uh, his drawings. And then at the end, you see that he's drawn for the, the new, uh, uh, Atlanta the newspaper. newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, how did he get there? How did he get to the damn newspaper? We don't see none of that. We don't see him work for that. Um, I've seen him clean the cubicle more than I've seen him draw. Yeah, so we never really see him progress for any type of goal. <laughs> he doesn't change. At the end, and at the end of the movie, it bothered me so much. Um, in his voiceover, he's like, "I got my friends back. I got my girl back. I got my brother back, and that's all that matter," or something like that. And I'm like, "When did you never have them?" I'm like, was that was that the goal of the movie to get them back? You had them the whole time, and were in a couple disagreements at the end of the movie, and now you don't have them for two seconds. So, which none of that made sense with some of it. Yeah, some of it didn't make sense because I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. The thing with um, Esquire and Nunu. First off, I just hated her name was Nunu. It was just like, all right, it's kind of stupid. But actually, I'm going to backtrack even more to the point you were saying, the Skate Wars thing, because I was thinking about it. 
the way they set up the shots of introducing the skateboards because the the point of having Jazzy Faye in there and looking directly in the camera was so cool because they was like the way they would like switch the camera was like sweet and he oh skateboards is coming in four weeks y'all better practice blah 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 I'm like oh this sweet they never brought it up again only time they bring up we need to practice is when Jason Weaver Teddy says oh we can do this move here here and he hit his neck twice and that is it that's the only mm-hmm. time they bring up practicing he i got a new move also just as a side note i did not realize jason weaver character teddy was supposed to be 21 in high school 21 and half of the time he oh girl you looking good i'm kicked this man out of high school yeah I I know he man. I know he was that old. I thought he was like nineteen or something. No, cause they somebody said it was Esquire. Somebody, they, how old is he? They was like, are you graduating this year? And he, man, they had the whole thing at Waffle House. They, oh man, you gonna graduate this year? And he, I'm graduating with your mama. Uh, I'm in mean, her graduating class. Have tell her have my money on time. And then they, uh, he walked away, and they were like, man, for real, how old is he? And I'm. If y'all don't know how old he is, why are y'all hanging out with this dude? Because y'all kind of young. And somebody I, said, like, he 21. Like, he for real is 21. Dang. See, I, I ain't hear the 21. I thought he was just, like, a year or so older than them. It was probably Hill back a year or something. But not as egregious as 21. <laughs> no, they said he was 21. <laughs> but also, there's a scene um, where Big Boy comes to the school uh and he picks up um what's Evan Ross's character oh, name? Aunt. Like, Aunt. uh is it Ant? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh he picks up Ant and when he comes to the school at first, a girl gets off the car and goes mm-hmm. to class. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so he's one of those. It was like a really sly thing yeah. that you don't really see. I'm like, he's that guy that's yeah. showing up at the school picking up girls. That always creeped me dropping out. Dropping girls off. That I never noticed me. it. Yeah, I didn't. I never noticed it until I uh, saw it this time. I was like, it's always interesting how they try to make him seem cool. Because I mean, don't get me wrong, he always looked fly in the movie. But then if you don't notice the heels drop out, and then she goes into the school building. Um, wait a minute. Hey guys, how's it going? It's Malik here. You're listening to the Bit by Big podcast. Thank you. It's crazy because, uh, and I think Chris Robinson touched on in the documentary. But Big Boy brought so much to that character he, that I he, don't think was there. I don't know if they even had like, did y'all even have a script like for his character? <laughs> he and he might give the best performance in the movie, to be honest. He really does because he brought so much to that character. Um, and you know, he got the scene that's forever cemented in our GIF archives. Yeah. But, <laughs> I know that ain't who I think it is. <laughs> if anybody checks the social media, Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, it's the ah, as the person dropping chocolate milk. I mean, they have grown adults that are like forty and fifty recreating the scene daily at this point, and having little kids yeah. recreate it. The little kid don't even know what scene it is, and they recreating it. You know that's you in a grown man league right now, or. <laughs> Yeah, grown man business. Like, uh, there, I don't know. There's so many little things about his character that's so interesting. Uh, just when he 
uh, Ant goes up to meet him for the first time and he tries to shake his hand out, uh, shake his hand. Like he puts up the fist, like, nah, germs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's a, such a small thing, but I'm like, I love that. Big Boy is one of the best parts. And then they show the trap house. And it's him, Bone Crusher, and Killer Mike. Um, this he was the best part of the movie, like literally yeah. one of the best parts. And the way they show T.I. Carr driving and the, hitting the brakes and they get like that close up on his glasses. Here go your big little brother and T.I. knocking on the glass and he about to reach down. What you reaching down for? And he look over at Evan Ross like, really? <laughs> he give him that look like, really? You about to lose your sibling? He keep hitting on my glass real quick. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, he was a really, really good character and a really good performance in this. Um, I've never seen Idlewild, so I don't know how he was in that. Yeah, see but, Idlewild. He's great. He's great. But yeah, he 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 brought it in this. He's like this in Idlewild, but in like the 1930s. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much is this is great grand great grandfather. Um, <laughs> uh, one question I do have for you, um. What did you think of Lauren London's performance? Um, give me my necklace back. Give me my necklace back. <laughs> I was, why is she so attached to the necklace? Uh, now having the conversation with someone else, it makes sense because I mean, I guess technically she didn't lie, but uh, I thought it was all right. I mean, it wasn't exactly bad, like. It introduced me to Lauren London, and I, I, I liked it. I liked it. I mean, she held her own. Yeah, I think because uh, forever it was like ATL launched Lauren London. Mm-hmm. So we always think back to that performance like, oh, that's where Lauren London came from. She was so good. That's where she got everybody uh, discovered her. And I'm like, I went back and like, is this performance actually good or not? And I don't, I don't know. Um, she makes a choice. The voice uh, is like so distinctive. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, it's really good. But when you get to those scenes where she has to play Aaron, yeah, I'm like, and she has to like try to feign some emotion. Um, I'm like, it didn't really work. But the new new character is like, I don't, I wouldn't say it's like iconic, but it's a really good um, performance. I think, like I thought, those those sections and what she, the choices she kind of makes. I thought it was interesting in the documentary. It always felt jarring, f like as when I was younger until now. Like directing, obviously, like small small short films. But like seeing the Chris Robinson thing when he's directing her and then she's mm-hmm. doing that scene time and time again and she smiled and he got out of character and he's like, you find this funny? Yeah, like, he took you out the club or he took you out the skating rink? Your dad in front of your man? You need some time alone? Yo, you think this is funny? <laughs> Yo, you're supposed to be serious. You're a professional. <laughs> what again? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> And all the people were standing around and she was, so I took Keith David and I put Chris Robinson as Keith David. Chris know how to take that emotion out of you. I was like, okay. 
<laughs> this is serious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an interesting performance. Like, it's not like, oh my, it's like amazing performance, but no, it, it, it was I, all I right. Think, like, the I new new the way, character is interesting. Yeah, I think the way it was hyped up um, back in the day, I think, um, how was I going to say? Yeah, the way that it was hyped up back in the day, I thought it was like, coming back to see it, I thought it was going to be like this iconic thing, but actually really studying and like watching the performance. Like it was cool. You know, she makes, uh, she does some things, but she's not as great as I, uh, as it was hyped up to be. Yeah. What'd you think of the uh, big group? Like, is that a poem? I guess technically, or I don't know. What do you even call it? I, the um, hospital scene, like, is that? Yeah. Know, do you call it a poem, or I guess so. Or did you understand just it? Some spoken word. Yeah, I'm uh, like, I'll admit it I, went over my head. It's always went over my head. No, it wasn't one of those things that I really cared for. Um, it was cool, but it was just another voiceover to me. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, but I'd have, it's one of those things like I might have to like really read rather than like watch it in something. If I watch it and try to listen to it while watching something, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. focus on it. Like it's not gonna get my full undivided attention. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it was just a nice way for them to blend those hospital scenes with something so. You- they didn't have to um it was the voiceover was emotional emotional enough to where they didn't have to have that all in a talking scene because um, mm-hmm. you just see the um images of lauren london coming to um you know comfort ti and all that's there without having to have for them having to say anything because it's kind of being said in the voiceover so I thought, you know, it served its purpose. Um, but yeah, I didn't, it wasn't anything that was great, I think. No, nah, I feel you. Uh, but I like ATL. It's a classic. Like yeah. I said, once again, I blame BT and VH1 for and MTV for it not having a... I mean, it's a success, obviously, but it's certain reasons. I feel like certain groups just don't have any clue what it is i mean i I don't think we can blame mtv bt and vh1 for that because they're showing it so i mean they're trying to reach an audience i just don't think the groups that we're talking about reaching i don't think they care to (laughs) go see it or to rewatch it now honestly then how do people see it how do how do we get people to actually go and be like, this is a movie that we can see that we can care about? I I don't have the answer um, for that. I mean, we can hype it up and, you know, post it and everything, but I think people have to want to be curious to see those type of movies. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how it's always been, though. Uh, I don't think those groups are setting out to see um, black films unless they're super uh, 
into film. You know, because we we say it all all the time, but most people's entry to black film was Moonlight. So <laughs> we saw that in film school. So that's true. I don't think we can um, we can expect people to have seen this unless they were around at that time. That's true. Also, so, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, uh, last thing is that's why it's in. That's why we're talking about it and putting it into our <laughs> Criterion collection. 